one of those questions that comes up, um, I think, regularly but not frequently, um, is what do we do with the Old Testament, specifically the Old Testament law? You know, all those rules, regulations, why don't we keep kosher anymore? Seems like we kept some of the stuff, but then we threw out the other stuff, and how did we decide what to do with all of that? I think this gospel, in a way, speaks to that um, in some important respects. But I think as a, as a basic principle, we have to go back to what Aristotle said. He said, the most important thing you can know about anything is its purpose. So if we're asking about the, the old law and what do we keep and what do we throw away, well, we have to ask, well, what's its purpose? And when St. Thomas was looking at the old law, he saw, he saw three purposes to the precepts of the old law. He said, some of the precepts are uh, directed to ceremony. How is it that the Jewish people were supposed to worship God rightly and beautifully? So that's the first purpose is the worship of God. He said, secondly, Israel was a nation, like legal entity in a certain place, like Holland, Michigan is a legal entity, and laws are required to govern Holland, Michigan, to, you know, stop chaos from ensuing. And so the people of Israel needed judicial laws as well. And so that's the laws where it say, well, if you do this, then you suffer this penalty and that and then it's sort of the legal rules and regulations. And he said the, the third purpose of the old law is to make people holy, to help guide them in their moral action and conduct. So those are the three, ceremony, um, judicial law, and moral law. Okay. Pointer says in terms of how we, we look at the old law, we have to look at how, what does it mean for Jesus to fulfill the old law? What, is, what does that mean? He says, I, I've come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Okay. What does that mean? Fulfillment means to bring something to completion or to perfection. And so what that, that's going to look different for each of the three kinds of precepts. So if you take the, the ceremonial precepts, you know, the regulations about, well, what does the high priest wear when he goes into the temple and what kind of animal does he slaughter when he's making what sort of sacrifice and keeping, what are the ritually impure foods, you know, no lobster, no pork. I don't know why they wanted to live, but, you know, um, but those were the rules, and so you keep them. Um, and Thomas says, the worship of God comes to its perfection on the cross when Jesus offers himself to the eternal father. So he offers the perfect thing, which is the body of the son of God. And he offers it with perfect love. And that's why the one sacrifice makes good for all the sins of the world. So there's no more perfect worship than the worship of the cross. And so because we have the perfect sacrifice, all the imperfect sacrifices of the old law, the lambs and the doves and the cattle and all that, those don't need to take place anymore because we have the perfect sacrifice, which is then made present again here on the altar. So he says we don't concretely keep the ceremonial precepts of the old law. They point to the reality of Jesus. They help us understand the reality of Jesus. They help us understand what we're doing here but we don't keep them anymore concretely. Okay. So they're fulfilled 
in the cross. Well, what about the judicial precepts? Well, the, the church is not, um, even though it's, I mean, it's a reality on earth, it's, it's not this sort of legal person the way Holland, Michigan is a legal person, or the United States is this single legal entity. And, you know, it's transnational, it's transhistorical, um, and so it's not, it doesn't need sort of the same kinds of laws. Um, and so we don't, we don't have the judicial laws like the nation of Israel had. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this earth. All right? So that means the law is going to look different. But the law, the law that Jesus gives, the, the perfection of the Old Testament law, the new thing in the New Testament is when Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. Again, pointing to the cross. That's the new thing. And so when you have that loyalty down, when you have that in mind, you'll be a good citizen. Everything else follows. So we don't keep the judicial precepts in the same way, concretely, anymore. And then there are the moral precepts. And these are a bit different because Christians are still actually concretely bound to follow the moral precepts of the old law. It is still not okay to steal or commit adultery or theft or false witness. You know, you still have to honor your father and mother. You still have to go and keep the Lord's day holy. Okay. But Jesus does something different with those. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not kill. And whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. So what, what's going on there? And I think Jesus is talking about the hatred and the anger, or the anger that leads to hatred that, wants a, that is destructive, you know, that wants us to get others. And it might seem like a bit of a stretch, um, but I remember reading a, a book once, and I, I tried to look up the reference, and I, I couldn't find it, but it, it's something that stuck out in my mind because it was very odd. And this book referenced a study that had been done. It asked uh, a couple hundred, I think, U.S. adults, have you ever been so angry in your life that you've actually hated someone and wanted to kill them? Right. So anonymous survey, so it asked these couple hundred adults. Um, I want to get your sense of what, what do you think was the, the feedback? How many of you think uh, only 10% or less said yes, admitted to that kind of hateful anger? 10% or less. All right, keep your hands up. How many of you think 20% or less? Keep your hands up if you said 10%. How many of you think 30% of people admitted to that? 40? How about 50? Half. 60? 70. What about 80? 80 percent? 90? All right, put your hands down. I think the answer was 93. 93 
50% of adults could remember at some point in their life they got so angry and were so hateful they wanted to kill somebody. I think I believe it, you know, in all honesty. But that's what Jesus is talking about. Now, now here's the thing. If that survey is correct, then it leads to an obvious question. Why aren't there more murders? <laughs> if, if almost everybody wants to kill somebody, why aren't there like two people left at Mass? Because <laughs> we're all good Christians here. Uh, <laughs> sorry, facial, you know, lack of control. But... Um, no, but why, why not? Well, I think the answer is that there are a whole bunch of reasons why we don't kill people that have nothing to do with loving God and neighbor. You know, you don't want to spend the rest of your life in prison. You know, and that's why the, 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 the stronger the police force in your area, the less likely you are to commit murder. It's, murder. it's a big incentive not to kill people. You know, separated from family and friends if you go to jail. Maybe you have to be on the run. Even if you don't get caught, you're going to Spend the rest of your life on the road, fake names and IDs and just trying to, worrying about every knock on the doors at the FBI. Um, so there are a whole lot of reasons not to kill someone that have nothing to do with holiness. But what Jesus asks in his fulfillment of the old law is he asks for us to keep the law for the right reason. He asks for purity of heart. I think it's the same thing with the, the commentary on, on adultery. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Okay. Again, why isn't there more adultery that goes on in civilization? Well, because there's a lot of costs to adultery that have nothing to do with holiness. You know, break up your family, public shame, you get divorced, the spouse gets, you know, most of the assets. Um, so there's a lot of reasons not to commit adultery that have nothing to do with being a good person. And yet that's not what Jesus wants. Jesus wants us to not do it because we love our neighbor, because we love ourselves, because we love him. And then there's, the, I think, the hardest part of the gospel. You have heard it said, do not take a false oath, but make good to the Lord all that you vow. But I say to you, do not swear at all. Let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. And I think what Jesus is asking there is to always speak the truth. To always speak the truth, which is really difficult. You know, oftentimes, lying, lying is rarely someone's sort of favorite sin. You know, rarely does someone just enjoy lying because they enjoy lying. But lying is the handmaiden of a whole bunch of other sins, you know. Um, you know, I taught high school for, for four years. Lying was frequently mentioned in confession. And lying, not that any of you would ever have done this, but, you know, people lie to their parents about where they're going, what they've been doing, who they've been hanging out with, you know. So it helps, it helps us sin a lot. But Jesus wants us to live in the truth, to be able to speak the truth, um, and hopefully it's a good truth, but even to have the humility to say the truth even when it, it isn't pleasant for us. And when you think about it, Jesus himself perfectly fulfills that, that he tells the truth to people, knowing that it's his speaking the truth that will get them so angry that they will kill him. And so that's the cost of speaking the truth for him, and he does it anyway. So in terms of how we look at the old law, it's not that 
it, it sort of passes away because, you know, it's too strict or Jesus hates rules or, you know, he's Mr. Lucy Goosey and all that sort of thing, you know, hippie Jesus doesn't ask anything, you know, smoke pot, have a good time, it's all fine. That's not Jesus. In one sense, it's the opposite, that in one way the, old, the concrete living out of the old law passes away because Jesus asks even more. And what does he ask? Love one another as I have loved you. And there's actually no way to fulfill that law without believing that he loves us, that that's the kind of love we have received. That's the wisdom of our first reading from Sirach. If you choose, you can keep the commandments, they will save you. Well, how is it possible to keep the commandments? Next line. If you trust in God, you too shall live. If you trust in God, you too shall live. To trust that he loves us enough to be with us in our suffering, to give us his spirit, to love one another as we should. Love one another as I have loved you.